Welcome, my name is Amapola Ramirez and this is Chicana Moms Podcast. In this podcast, I talk to you about my life as a Chicana. As a professional, I want to share with you my knowledge. Tenemos todos un propósito en este mundo. Unidas, creamos cambio. Vamos a empezar. Hola, ¿cómo están? I'm doing really good and I hope you are too. Um, actually, today, you guys, I, well, let me start by Saturday. Saturday, I went to Disneyland and I took my son and his little friend and it was my husband and I and it was really fun. One of the things about my husband, he's kind of like doesn't like to be around so many people, but he tried at least his best to be there. Um, but we had so much fun. We we're so exhausted. Then today, um, I actually went to El Dia de los Muertos event and it was so beautiful. I saw the dance of the Danzantes and it was awesome. Um, one of the things I would have loved for them to have done was to name, to give us the name of the dance and the, the, the meaning behind it. I think that would educate everyone, all of us, about the culture of, you know, the beliefs and the rituals of the Aztec um, dances. I think those are just so beautiful. I, that's one of the things on my bucket list. I will be a Aztec dancer. Is that what it's called? Aztec dancer. <laughs> Danzante. That is one of my dreams. I will actually, I'm going to do it. I know I am. But I love it. I really do. Like the beat of the music, the dances, like the way they even like scream certain things, the incense. That's just beautiful. I really enjoy that. But I wish they could have just said the name of the dance and, you know, the whole meaning behind that. You know, I remember seeing a lot of like uh, Native Americans doing these dances and they always educate. They say pretty much what it's for. I don't know if there's a big difference or not, but I, I would have loved to hear, you know, the meaning of the dance that they were doing. Because I think they did, yeah, they did three different dances. But anyways, that event was really nice, seeing everyone, you know, dressed up. I know there's a lot of lowriders, you know. You might think, well, how do lowriders and Day of the Dead come together? Um, the way I perceive it is lowriders, you know, there's a lot of veteranos. And it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of Chicanos, Mexican-American, and we love that, you know, celebrating Day of the Dead because we're Mexican-American. That's how I'm perceiving it. I don't know. How do you guys perceive it? Because I remember reading an article, actually, and they said, how do lowriders and Day of the Dead come together? That's how I was putting it together because there's always something that people want to talk shit about our culture. Like, just let it be. You know, it was really nice to see a lot of um, white people walking around and being part of that festivity of Day of the Dead, which is really cool. Like, it's, we're not supposed to hate, you know, but it's just really nice to see that. But today I want to talk to you about the types of grief and loss that we all experience at some extent in our lives. And I want to share with you a little bit of my process of how I grieved uh, the loss of someone very special in my life. I mean, I've had several of my family members pass away Um, but you know, we're impacted so differently with each. It's just, it's a scary thing. We don't want to talk about death, but it's something that will always happen. It's out of our control, you know? And I remember watching a video about this one lady saying, you know, when I 
I wouldn't leave my home because I was afraid of things happening to me or to my kids. And she says that she actually was able to come to realize that that she's going to be okay if anything would happen to her or to her kids and that death is part of life. And when I was watching her say that, I was like, fudge, is that even possible? Is that even possible to get to that point of like acceptance? Because I know I'm still working on it. Like I'm understanding it. I'm some, it's not that easy. (laughs) It's not that easy. We're we're learning. It's a process that I don't think, I don't know. That's what she said it. I don't know if she actually just said it because she was being interviewed on TV. Because, you know, people react differently when they're being interviewed. And they say all these things like, yeah, I got this. But shit, do they really? (laughs) I mean, do you really? It's I don't know. That's just my, my way of seeing it. But I want to share with you my experience. I want to talk to you about all the different types of grief and loss. And hopefully this kind of, you know, plants a little seed of food for thought to realize where you're at with it. Um, Because I have realized many things from learning about grief and loss and being able to talk about death. Because that's something that my family doesn't really like to do. They don't like to talk about death. And if you say something, it's like, callate, callate, eso nunca va a pasar, callate, you know? And it's like, what do you mean death is never going to happen? Like, yes, it is. And we should talk about it, you know? And it's okay. And because then that's where, like, ¿qué quería? You know, cuando, ya cuando alguien se murió, ¿y cuál era? ¿Cómo quería que lo sepultaran? ¿Qué es algo que podemos hacer para recordar? Or, you know, we don't know anything because obviously it's like, don't talk about it. It's something like, it's a fear that we don't even want to, you know, confront. But like the Day of the Dead, you know, the Day of the Dead is so beautiful in the Mexican culture because I was reading an article and it's saying it's kind of like us looking at death in the face and laughing at it and saying, we're not scared of you. We know this is part of life. So get the heck like out of here with your fear. We have love. We have God. We have our culture. We have unity, you know, and respect and for death and I don't know. I just, when I read that, I was like, wow, that's a really nice way to see it, right? But anyways, I want to talk to you about grief and loss. So let's get started. All right, guys. So I'm going to start off by sharing with you something that I went through um, when I was younger. And the reason I like to touch base on this, even when I talk to my clients, um, is because, and when I say my clients, I'm not talking about just therapy because there's certain things I can't share with my clients with therapy, but this is my clients that I do a lot of the anger management classes. A lot of people who come in for anger management have like this anger that they're just like, I don't know where it's coming from. And then I start to ask them, you know, have you lost anyone close to you? And since when, and a lot of the times it has a lot to do with that frustration of anger of like knowing that I don't have any control over my life and I just don't have control over myself at some extent. But we know that anger can be controlled when we understand where it's coming from. So the all, I mean, the reason I also want to share with you about my experience when I was younger was because um, there's a lot of young kids who are going through the process of a funeral and have no idea what is going on. So now as an adult, anytime I come across people telling me that there's, you know, a funeral that they're going through 
and you know and I see kids I have to highlight make them part of the ceremony have them write a letter you know use um collages pictures have them draw something in memory of that person so they can feel part of this because kids grieve too and we can't dismiss that a lot of us have gone through grief um, loss when we were younger and we still at some point have a difficult time you know accepting that that person left our lives you know so in my experience growing up as a Chicana I obviously grew up with Mexican parents Mexican family members and the way that we celebrate uh, well, I should say celebrate because that's pretty much what it is, you guys. We're celebrating, you know, um, the death. I know it sounds kind of weird, but it's like, you know, they, they've gone to heaven. We're celebrating the fact that they've gone um, to the other part of life because it continues. It's eternity. That's the way we perceive it. And in my family, we're very united when it comes to things like that. Um. I grew up with an amazing, wonderful uncle. My mom has total 12 siblings. Two of them passed away when they were little. And one of, I mean, all of my uncles are awesome. There's some that I have a relationship with in different ways. But this particular uncle, I had the most profound, amazing relationship I've ever had with anyone um, when I was younger because he gave me the attention he gave me verbal praise. He would laugh of the things that I would do that I thought no one really cared for. And he always made me feel so special. Let me tell you guys, there's always one specific person in our lives that's just going to tremendously impact our lives. I know, yes, you know, it could be one of our parents or it can be a cousin or it can be an uncle or an aunt. In my situation growing up, it was an uncle. I want to start off by pretty much telling you that when I was younger um my mom pretty much everyone knew how an amazing bond I had with my uncle and there was one day in August where my mom and I remember I think it was in August 15th I believe if I'm not mistaken um she said she was going to Mexico to Tijuana and I asked her why and she said that the reason she was going is because my uncle um, had an accident and I said my uncle like what kind like what accident did he have but she didn't want to tell me she didn't want to tell me because she already knew my uncle had passed away and she didn't know how to or you know she was in shock herself I have no idea because I have never even asked her and that's a question that I definitely feel like you know of asking her I'm just wondering, but I think I understand why, you know, and I don't want to put her in that position, but then yet I feel maybe she needs to talk about it. I don't know. Um, so anyways, I'm going to make this story pretty short, brief and to the point as to why I'm sharing this with you. So I remember going to the babysitters, my dad picking me up after work and then my dad asking me if I wanted to go see my mom and my uncle. And I said, yeah, of course. So I remember all, many of my uncles also from my mom's side decided to go all together in a van. So I left with my dad and I was sleeping in the back seat of the van and I heard my uncles 
and everyone's speaking, and I remember heard them saying, que gacho lo que le pasó al primo. I remember hearing that, and I was like, what does that mean? What do you mean, que gacho lo que le pasó al primo? Like, okay, well, yeah, it sucks that he got ill. I mean, I don't know, because I didn't know exactly what was happening, because my mom didn't tell me he passed away, but obviously she knew. Um, we get to my uncle's house, and I get off the van, and I remember just looking at all these funeral flower arrangements outside of my uncle's house. And I was like, what's going on? Like, like what? I go inside the living room because that's where everyone was at. And everyone started hugging each other. And they, they were getting emotional. I mean, they started crying. And I was like in shock. Like I couldn't cry. I couldn't talk. I was just observing. And no one came up to me to tell me that my uncle passed and how am I doing? And I was 11 years old. I think I pretty much came to that conclusion, obviously, because I saw the flowers, I saw people crying. And in Mexico, one of the things that they do is they have the funeral like literally like the next day. Unless if there's an accident that happened, they take it for investigation, you know, and whatever. But with my uncle, it was pretty fast. It was like the next day where they brought him in and we had all this funeral. It was just very fast. Um, and I'm sharing this with you because when I was younger, you know, I didn't have anyone to talk to me about the process of death. Like I said before, my family is not the type that is open and saying, ah, la muerte, ah, you know, no, of course, like who does, you know, but as even if death is not happening in a family, like I think it's just a topic that as parents, we need to talk to our kids about um, and not let fear conquer. And I know that many people of what I've heard and even sometimes the things I've thought myself is like, I don't want to put it out there. Like, I don't want to throw it out to the universe and for it to really happen. And as I'm saying this to you right now, I remember when I was little, I was 11 years old, but a couple of weeks or months before my uncle passed, I pretty much sat myself, I think it was in my room or in a, I don't remember where I was, but I remember crying so bad. Like I was just crying out of the blue at 11 years old and in my mind I was like my uncle is going to die like it's so insane to me how I was crying weeks or months I don't remember how long it was before he died and I was crying and I said my uncle is going to die and I was like and then he dies I carried that throughout my whole entire like teenage years And I'm pretty sure even in my early young adult life. And I honestly think even until later on in my 30s where I thought, oh my God, like I cried because my uncle, I, I don't know. Now that I, I'm telling you this, it's, I think it's because that profound connection that I had with him. And I had this gut feeling, this instinct of like that something was going to happen to him and then it did. But a couple of weeks ago, actually, in my class of my grief and loss um, class, one of my professors, she actually said, she's like, there's a lot of young kids who carry guilt. They tell themselves, if I would have not only like told myself that 
you know, that person was going to die or I shouldn't have said any comments about death and that person wouldn't have died. They carry that because they have this guilt of thinking that happened because of me. And I did. Honestly, I did have some sort of like guilt thinking like I shouldn't have cried. I shouldn't even like follow my emotions because my uncle probably would still be here. Isn't it insane? I mean, kids have an imagination galore. So if you don't talk to them about death, then they're going to take themselves in a very extreme, exaggerated approach of answering their doubt about death. So this is why I'm sharing this with you as to whenever anything happens, make sure you gravitate to kids. But you also want to make sure you take care of yourself, you know. But that's just my story growing up. Um, Yes, I've had my grandmothers pass away, you know, and... And one of my other uncles, and it it hurt. But the one that really hurt the most was my uncle. And I can't even imagine ever losing any of my parents or any other family member. But you know what? That's the thing. This is where that thing comes in. We have to accept, right? But damn, it's kind of hard, you know? But I can't really sit here and talk to you about that because I'm still working on it. You know, it would be kind of stupid of me to just sit here and talk to you about like, hey, we just have to accept death, you know, life is, no, oh my God, I'm not there. And it's very challenging. Yeah, it's easier said than done, you know, but what I can talk to you about is the grief, the grief and the loss of, you know, understanding where we are at as human beings. Like, how are we grieving? What type of grief are you going through? Um, and understanding that to then continue to help ourselves through the grief and loss. So I want to start off by talking to you about the first grief example that I'm going to give you, which is called the anticipatory grief. This is when a caregiver has guilt um, and knows, well, it's, I'm going to start off by this. This is when a caregiver knows for a fact that, you know, their, the illness of the person they're taking care of is getting worse and they know that death is coming. And there's guilt with that caregiver thinking, I could have done more to take care of that person. I should have not given them that cookie that they asked me consistently every morning, you know, because then... I don't know, their sugar wouldn't have spiked up and they, you know, could have been here. I don't know. I'm just giving that random example. But that is what anticipatory grief is, um, which is the grieving that can can start long before the person dies. um, Because we know, as, as a caregiver, you would know, like, wow, they're getting worse and worse. I need to prep myself. Obviously, even if you know it's coming, it's still not that easy. The other uh, type of grief is called the normal grief. So this is already like knowing what to expect. Like, okay, I understand that eventually the person in our family or friend um, or coworker, we know that they're not going to make it. So you already start prepping yourself as to like, okay, you know, this is what it's going to 
feel like this is what it's going to be. Obviously, we're not going to be so detailed and be like, okay, that's exactly what I'm going to feel. But you already know what to expect, you know. And many people define normal grief as the ability to move towards acceptance of the loss of the person who's close in their life. So the third one is called the delayed grief. So this is going back to work after, you know, you've lost someone in your family. It takes a while to kick in and it's just the way you're grieving. Like, okay, the funeral is over. I have to get back to work and back to my routine. But later on, you know, the grief kind of creeps up. So a lot of people sometimes think like, oh my God, they're not grieving. They're not crying. Like, why are they going back to work right away? Like, what? And then that's where people start to judge them. But we can never, ever judge people based on how they are behaving after the death of someone in their family because everyone grieves differently. I'm going to share with you, I guess, something just really quick. There was a coworker that I had years ago and we had a Christmas party. And his dad actually passed away that same day of that um, Christmas party. And he shows up at the Christmas party. Everyone's like, what the, what? Like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. And he was showing like he was having a good time. And you know, we all did talk shit. We were like, oh my God, I can't believe he's here. That's disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, we were all wrong. We cannot ever judge anyone. Maybe that was his way of just, you know, he had delayed grief. He couldn't accept the fact that his dad had passed away. So he felt the need of continuing with his normal routine so that he didn't feel the pain. But eventually, as a human being, we end up feeling those pains. Okay, so the fourth grief is called a complicated grief. This is a traumatic experience. Like when someone dies unexpectedly. Um, so this grief is complicated, so it's longer, it takes longer for the person to understand that what happened either was, wasn't their fault or, you know, it just, it was not, whatever it was, whatever it is that they're thinking, um, referring to, to guilt or the situation. This is where a lot of times people doubt God as well, or even in between all of them, a lot of times, except for, I guess, the normal grief, um, But, you know, when grief occurs, then that's when people start doubting um, the existence or the true existence of God. Um, So the complicated grief is what it leads to is self-destructive behaviors, deep and persistent feelings of guilt, low self-esteem, suicidal thoughts, violent outbursts, and radical lifestyle changes because they just don't know how to accept and deal with that grief, that unexpected loss. Okay, so the fifth one is called the disenfranchised grief. Um, And it can be felt when someone experiences a loss, but others do not acknowledge the importance of the loss in the person's life. So others may not understand the importance of the loss or they minimize the significance of the loss. So it's kind of like, you know what, it's okay, you know. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. You know, your cat died. Your dog died. Um, You know, yes, you know, someone died in your family. But even if it's your mom, don't worry about it. That is not cool to ever say because we don't ever know what they're actually going through. Um, I 
before I used to find myself telling people, you know what, you know, it's, don't worry about it. They're with you physically. I'm sorry, uh, not physically. They're with you spiritually. They're always going to be with you. And whenever I, I would say that, I would say that because I felt like at least I'm trying to give them some hope that their loved one is still with them, you know, but that's even some people don't even want to hear that. They're like, how the, how the hell can you relate? You know, that they're there with you um, spiritually. The thing is that they're going through a pain that maybe at some point, whatever you say, it's not enough. You know, all we can do is just listen to them. Um, and it's hard. There's sometimes really hard the, to say the right words because they're going through a really rough time. Especially if you have not lost your parents. And we're over here telling someone, like, you'll be fine. Like, how the fuck do we know that? Oh, sorry for the cussing, but we don't know. I don't know. So it's really hard sometimes to be there for someone who has lost their family members. Um, but I think overall, it's just silence. As they're venting, as they're crying, just let it be. Just hug them if they want to be hugged. Just listen. Ask them, how, you know, how can I help you? And if they say, well, thanks for offering, but, you know, I don't think there's anything you can do. Then just, just be there physically. Listen to them. You know, I, that's the way I've learned now how to be there for people. Number six is a chronic grief. So this is the avoidance of any situation that may remind someone of a loss or loss of meaning of value in the beliefs of the system. So... Pretty much like it could lead to depression, suicidal or self-harming thoughts and even substance abuse. And they have, they feel like they're hopeless. You know, there's no sense of, there's like a sense of disbelief that the loss is real. So the avoidance of the situation kicks in. Like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to numb it. So number seven is the cumulative grief. So this is a type of grief that can occur when multiple losses are experienced. When people say, you know, I've lost one family member and like two months later I lost somebody else. And then like, again, four months later I lost someone else. And it's so crazy. I don't know if you guys have ever thought, I've heard of this, I should say. Um, but I would always hear there's always, you know, death comes in a set of three in families. I don't know if that's really true. I mean, I see it, but I don't want to believe it because it's just like, come on, one is enough. And then two and then three for, oh my God, what? So I don't know if that's just something we are mentally just, I don't know, mentally, I don't know how, I don't even know how to say it. Like we're putting ourselves there mentally just to say, you know, oh, one more and we're throwing that out to the universe or something. I have no idea. But I don't even want to think that's even true, right? But many people say, no, that actually does happen. So, oh, it's kind of crazy. So number eight is a masked grief. So the masked grief can be in the form of physical symptom or, or other negative behaviors that are out of character. Like someone experiencing masked grief is unable to recognize these symptoms or behaviors and are connected to a loss. So they don't fully understand that they are going through grief whatsoever, even if it's been five years, 10 years later, we can still grieve. It all depends on each person. The ninth type of grief is called the disordered grief. 
So this is like the extreme feelings of guilt or anger or any noticeable changes in behavior, hostility towards a particular person, plus other self-destructive behaviors. Like, it's your fault because mom died, or it's your fault because, you know, this is whatever tragedies happen in, you know, in the life. Now, let me tell you, we're talking about grief, okay? So, we are attaching it to death, obviously, but I also want you to understand, which you probably already know, and if you don't, I'll say it now, is the understandings of grief when it comes to a divorce, the separation, ending of a friendship that you've had with that person for so many years. A person who leaves the country, you haven't seen them in years, and you're just like, I, it's not the same anymore. Um, so that's also what we're talking about, okay? Just the loss of a certain routine. You could even grieve even, let's just say, your best friend that you've hang around with on a daily basis no longer wants to come out and hang out because they're grieving through the loss of their parents. So now that relationship you both had is no longer the same. So you could also be grieving even if you haven't lost anyone through death in your family. I hope that makes sense. So the 10th type of grief is called the exaggerated grief. So this is when a person um, says, okay, I enjoy, you know, I, I get it. I accept at some extent. We can tell ourselves we accept it, but then when reality hits and situations occur, then it can trigger. So this is the exaggerated grief. This is when it worsens as time moves on. So this may result in self-destructive behavior, suicidal thoughts, drug abuse, abnormal fears, nightmares, and even the emergence of underlying psychiatric disorders. Um, so it's, it gets worse with time. Because we continue to feed ourselves with so many negative thinking um, or guilt or things that I could have, would have, should have done for that person. Um, if it's through someone passing away or, you know, losing a relationship, like I said earlier, um, things like that. So number 11 is inhibited grief. This is when a person tries to keep their grief private. So problems can arise with inhibited grief through physical manifestation when an individual doesn't allow themselves to grieve. You know, they want to keep it private and they're just like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. They tell themselves that and they tell other people that. Okay, so number 12 is a secondary loss in grief. So it's felt after the primary loss and can affect multiple areas of an individual's life. So the Grief from secondary loss is the emotional response to the subsequent loss that occurs as a result of a death. So it's a primary loss. So pretty much what it means is like you get triggered. So if you have had a loss in your family and you didn't really grieve, you know, the way I guess that was supposed to help you, later on someone else's death will trigger that. So this is a secondary loss in grief. Okay. So number 13 is called the collective grief. And that collective grief is felt like by a group. For example, this could experience, it could be experienced by a community, a city or a country as a result of a natural disaster, death of a public figure like Selena or a terrorist attack like September 11. This is called collective grief. This is when everyone comes together and everyone's grieving. And I think Selena is a perfect example you know, September 11, 
and all these hurricanes that happened um, in the beginning of this year. That's another example for that. Number 14 is the abbreviated grief. It's a short-lived response to loss. This could occur during like someone or something immediately filling the void, the distance that was felt, or the experience of anticipatory grief. Number 15 is the absent grief. It's when someone does not acknowledge the loss and shows no sign of grief. This can be the result of complete shock or denial of the death of that loved one, or it can be concerning if someone experiences absent grief for an extended period of time and they're not able to receive the help that they are, you know, that is needed. Now, those are all the different types of grief that I just gave to you. I hope they made sense in each, but, you know, look them up, read about them as well in your own because there's certain things that we have to do in our lives to fully understand and that's pretty much taking the initiative to teach ourselves different things in at our own pace and obviously in our own language you can read this in spanish you can read it in english but in the way you know you read about certain things and how you read it makes a profound difference of how you're going to take the message if at any time in your life you feel like, you know, I can't get over a loss of a family member or friend, speak with a healthcare professional if you need help with a loss in your life. You're not alone. There's so many people that are willing to help you. And all you have to do is ask for help. And it's, I know sometimes that can be a little challenging for people, but it's not impossible. Now I'm going to read something to you. That stood out for me um, as, one, I'm learning about how to help people through grief and loss, um, through the death of someone in their family, or also, like I said, that are going through a divorce, a separation, lost a pet, because, you know, it's sometimes I think people don't understand that when people lose a pet, because a pet's like a family member. And when people lose a pet, there's people that just laugh about it because they think it's stupid, just an animal. No, like, it's not just an animal for the person, you know? But I want to read these two things to you that really helped me profoundly through this process. The first one is, there are things that we don't want to happen, but we have to accept. Things we don't want to know, but we have to learn. And people we can't live without, but we have to let go. At the end of the day, there's certain things we don't have control over, you guys. But as long as we are continuing this process and this progress of learning to accept, you know, death or the separation of something or someone um, is better than nothing, right? So we talk about them not because we're stuck or because we haven't moved on, but we talk about them because we are theirs and they are ours. And no passage of time will ever change that. And we always, I think in my perspective, is to understand that they, are, they were here on this planet in our lives to make a difference. And we can continue to have them live here by giving back what they gave to us. So remember how I shared with you my experience of my uncle passing away and how he gave me the attention, the love, and the voice when I was younger, that's what I give to other people. Whenever I see kids, I always tell them, you're smart, you're amazing, you can do great things. 
And as I am like that with them, I know that my uncle is still living with me because he showed me something. It's to love yourself and love others. Thank you so much for listening to me. I hope this was just a little seed that I can plant in your mind for you to fully understand where you're at in your life when it comes to grieving. We hear a lot of these Dia de los Muertos and it's such a beautiful celebration. And yes, we need to learn how to celebrate death and life together, right? Um, we don't have control over it, but as long as we try to fully understand it, we I'm pretty sure we'll get to that extent of saying I accept it, right? Easier said than done. Easier said than done. Thank you so much, guys. I hope you have a beautiful Sunday and a beautiful week and a beautiful month and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and I hope you come back soon. Thank you. Bye.